1: And we thank you for sending your son, Lord. Oh, blessed Messiah, the fact that there's our hope is found in him. We thank you for choosing us, for calling us, for bringing us together, for making us your body, where we can come and submit ourselves to you and say that you are Lord, that you may be glorified in the Father. And Holy Spirit, as you speak of him this morning, just open our hearts to be renewed with that hope, to find a a renewed joy and a desire, a motivation, a a heart full of gratitude that just wants to share what Christ has done for us. And in the same way, Lord, we pray that you be with Pastor Lewis and his service. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity we have. And Lord, that you may be glorified in all that we do. We pray this in Christ's name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. This morning, we're going to be talking about a renewed hope in an old promise. A renewed hope in an old promise. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Now, that is for believers, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, about what our hope is. But let me ask you a question for those of you here, maybe even for the first time. What are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? Start bringing some things in mind right now. What is it that you're hoping for? What is it that gets you up in the morning? What motivates you to keep on going? Especially when life is difficult and trials abound. What is it that keeps you moving? Seems like today we live in a world of hopelessness. Whether it's religiously, culturally or even politically. People are wondering, what is the use? Like Pandora's box Pandora, we can feel hopeless. You may remember the story of Pandora's box. It's an artifact in Greek mythology, which contained all the evils of the world. Can't remember which god it was, which one of the Greek gods gave it to Pandora to keep. But her curiosity got the best of her, and she opened it up, and all the evils of the world escaped And in her haste to shut it up, she shuts it very quickly, as soon as she could, only to leave hope trapped inside. Sometimes life can feel that way. Would you agree? We've all been touched by someone who's lost hope. It can be a devastating experience and feeling. Yet even in this difficult world, even in our stressful lives, hope still lives, does it not? We try to capture it in our fiction. We try to capture it in our movies, and our shows. Hope is still a source of strength. It's a source of motivation. Hope is like a goal or an end result. It's a dream, an aspiration. It's something that we want to attain. Some things that you might have picked and some things you might have chosen that you hope for is something like a better future for you and your family, for your children. Maybe it's to finish school and finally be done, whether it's high school, college, grad work, work, whatever it might be. Amen? It might be to provide for your family or be a better provider for your family. It might be for positive change in your life. It might be just for stability, whether it's in your relationships, in your family, at work, whatever. I just want a stable environment. Hence, many times we have that kind of thing when you say, oh, I wish it was like the 50s. The 50s were the golden age. Except TV was black and white. How can it be perfect? I don't know. Maybe it's hope for recovery. There's a sin or addiction or something in your life that you'd like to recover from. Or maybe it's just healing from mental, physical emotional things that you're going through. We all have hope. And these are all good things. And there might be even more things that we desire. There's things; These are good things to hope for. But what exactly, though, is hope? When we say, I have a hope, I have these dreams, what does that mean? For some, I asked this week, I said, what is hope? And some will say, "What's well, a faith. It's a faith in myself. Is it is a hope in some circumstance or something else? What is hope? What do you have hope in? Is it something that we can make happen or is it all up to fate or is it just wishful thinking or is hope recognizing that the outcome is out of my hands and I just hope this happens. Nicole, our children director, defined hope well this week as I was going through the, the property and asking different people what hope was. She defined hope as this, a feeling or a state of being that one day things will get better. Amen? Have you experienced that? Have you had that? One day I just hope things get better. Fill in the blank of what it means to make things better. But that feeling or state of being can be captured by that old phrase. And it was interesting, when I said this phrase to some of the people I was interviewing, they had no idea, so it's probably showing my age. So if you know this phrase, you can raise your hand or say amen, or at least get a gleam in your eye, is you remember the phrase, one day my ship will come in. Remember that phrase, anybody, please? Okay, thank you. Very good. And I think that's what it is. Things will get better. One day my ship will will come in. It's like the major selling point for lottery tickets, right? It's hope. Hope and change. It's one day things will get better, yet hope really needs to be based on something or someone. Or it just becomes wishful thinking. It just becomes some type of smoke that you're always just trying to grasp, only to have it come slither through your fingers. The fulfillment of our wants and our desires, our dreams, our aspirations must be anchored on someone or something, or it just becomes elusive and unattainable. I asked some of the people that I spoke with, and they work, they're case managers, and they work with a lot of people who have hope. They have a desire for things to get better. And I asked them, for those that say they have hope, how many times do you see proactive working towards attaining that desiring hope? And typically, there's not. See, if we attain it, it no longer comes home. Sometimes I think that we are more in love and enamored with these dreams and wishful thinkings than we are with the reality of attaining it. I see that many times in my brother's ministry. He has a recovery addiction ministry. And many times they desire recovery, but yet when recovery is so close, what happens? They relapse. So sometimes I wonder, do we truly want to attain what we hope for? Because sometimes, especially it seems like in this world, especially with more and more of internet and computer and such, I think we are more enamored with fantasy than we are with real life. Because I can go and have an internet world in which I make myself in the image that I want, and I can make my world the image that I want it to be, and I can improve it. I think one reason these things have expanded, and that those who desire that is because they've given up hope. At least in my virtual world, life is good. In my virtual world, I'm six foot four and I have long hair. You know, I've got it all together. One question that comes to mind while asking others about hope is what is the difference between faith and hope? Sometimes we use those words interchangeably. But are they different? Are they interchangeable? Are they synonymous? We say that we have faith, we have hope, but what are they? And some people have said, well, hope is almost like faith. Well, faith is like someone who says, you know what, I have some money and I'm going to invest it with someone because I have faith that they know what to do with my money. Where sometimes people use the word hope to say, "Wow, I'm going to throw whatever money I have into the lotto. That's kind of the difference sometimes in how people use it. But however... That's not what it is. If you look on the screen here, I'm going to give you a definition. Faith is not a belief in ourselves or others, but a confident trust in the promises of God. Faith is not a belief in ourselves or others, but it's a confident trust in the promises of God. Hence why we say, if you want to know Christ, you must put your trust in Him, a confident trust. Scripture tells us not to waver, not to be like a doubting man, not to be one who is wavering, but to have a confident trust. Whereas, as we see hope, hope is not wishful thinking. It's not, one day my ship will come in, oh, I hope this happens, but it's a confident expectation that God will fulfill His promises. That's the biblical definition, I believe that capture what Scripture is saying about faith and hope. It's a confident expectation that God will fulfill His promises. So when we're here today, a renewed hope in an old promise, I'm saying that you and I have to renew our hope, our expected, confident expectation that God will one day fulfill His promises. I think that's the secret, so to speak, of finding Christian joy and peace. It's that that helps us to be long-suffering in this life, to be forgiving of others. I saw someone tweeted this, everyone loves forgiveness until it's their turn. Everyone's forgiving to the church until the plate gets to them. That's how we live our life, but it's confident expectation that God will fulfill His promise. And so that's what I want us to talk about this morning is a renewed, confident expectation on the promises of God. And both of these, by the way, are a gift from God. These are not something that you can conjure up yourself. These are not things that you can take some type of class or some type of exercise and say, well, I'm going to build up my faith and hope muscles. No. These are gifts from God that are based on the person and the character of God. You see, people are hoping. They're hoping for some type of thing. They're looking for some type of Savior. They're looking for a, uh, hoping for a financial Savior. They're hoping for political saviors and relationship saviors. They're hoping for a career. Oh, if I could just do this, then life will be better. I'm hoping for retirement, for my ship to come in, so to speak, or satisfaction. If I hang with these people and do these types of activities, or do this and do that, My hope is that I will be a better person and that I will be happy. Well, if we look at the world, if their hope is in those things, then what's the grade on that? Because we see a world of people who have lost hope. You see, what you and I truly need is a Savior. We need a Savior to put our faith and hope in. And this morning, I want to narrow down to three things that I believe encapsulate all of people's hopes. It's not uh, comprehensive, but I want to center on these three things. I believe the first thing that people are hoping for is restoration. In other words, people are aware that things are not as they should be. We desire and have hope for healing, recovery, a better life, a better world, a better universe. And so we want things to be restored, and so we're doing our best to restore some type of harmony. Whether it's in our family, at work, in our relationships, or even when we're just talking about creation care, we're trying to find harmony. We want things to be better. I think the second one is mercy and grace. People have a hope for mercy and grace. In other words, people are aware that they do not want what they deserve, and they desire something better, but they know that it's not within them to get. Then thirdly is righteousness and justice. People are hoping for righteousness and justice. I think this would talk about the Black Lives Matter or many of the others who are, they're looking for justice. They're looking for righteousness. And I have to say, I think they're on the right track. We need to. You and I are very aware that our system is broken, that evil exists, and we long for fairness and balance and accounting to make things right. Well, I believe these things that we hope for, these things that we desire can be attained. They can be fulfilled, but it's fulfilled not in something that I can do or you can do or any political person or government. Our hope must be found in the promises of God. You see, God has promised us These things, the fulfillment of these things. So this is what I'm going to share this morning with you, is three promises of God to hope in. Whatever you may be hoping in this morning, it may be real to you, it may be something that you feel that you need, but I'm going to share with you there's three things that you need to hope in this morning. These are three promises of God to hope in. The first one is the promise of a Redeemer to restore all things. A promise of a Redeemer to restore all things. Genesis 3.15. God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This comes quickly after the fall. God makes the first promise. Pastor Milton Vincent in his Gospel Primer sums up the words of Scripture really well when he writes that our God is immense beyond imagination, that he measured the entire universe with the span of his hand. He is unimaginably awesome in all of his perfections. He's righteous and holy and just in all his ways. And he's been unbelievably good to both you and I. And that everything that you and I have is his wonderful gift to you and I. Every breath, every heartbeat, every function of every organ, even the fact that you and I have skin to keep our blood and bone in is a gift from God. And all these things He gives to us as His common grace. Every legitimate pleasure you experience is a gift from His loving hand to you. All that you are and all that you have and all that you ever be is owed to Him. It's for His thanks and His gratitude. Your life is, in in every way, dependent upon His good pleasure. And this wonderful God is the most supreme, worthy object of our admiration and honor and delight in all the universe. Hence why we come before Him each Sunday morning to sing His praise. Though it shouldn't be just on Sunday morning, it should be 24-7. And He has created us with the intention that you and I might glorify Him by finding our soul's delight in Him. The Westminster Confession says it well when it says the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever we find that in obedience however scripture reminds us that we did not do so we did not remember God we did not hold him up as the object of our admiration we did not glorify him our first parents rebelled against this holy wonderful creator Paul tells us in his letter to the Roman church that you and I are guilty that we are without excuse for Adam's sin has passed down throughout generations. Like Adam, you and I, we have sinned, meaning that our nature, our attitudes, and our actions are marred by a rebellion and a desire to be our own God. And because of this, God's wrath has been poured out on all of creation. Man, animal, and earth alike sits under that penalty. You see, you and I have a hope. We need a Redeemer to redeem us from this rebellion, to restore all of creation. And God's promises to do so in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. That was the hope of the Old Testament. That was the hope of the prophets, the kings, the priests, the Jewish people. And God fulfilled that promise, amen, when He sent His Son. For John 3, 16 tells us, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but will have what? Eternal life. For God did not send the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is condemned. So your hope for restoration must be found in the promise of God of a Redeemer. The second promise that you and I ought to have hope in is the promise to release His children From the penalty, the power, and the presence of sin. We sung about that this morning also. And this is one of my favorite verses. It's found in Colossians chapter 2. You see it up there. And he says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God has made alive together with him. What great words! And having forgiven us all of our transgressions, he's canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. We are free. We are not guilty. There is no longer any condemnation to those that are his. He goes on to say this he set aside by nailing it to the cross. And doing so, he disarmed the rulers and authorities. And he has put them to open shame by triumphing over them. See, you and I have a hope. It's found in the promise that he will free his children from the penalty of sin. From the power of sin and the presence of sin. Think of it. Think of all the troubles, the difficulties, the problems of life. Where do they come from? Why is there hatred, anger, wars, temptation, sickness and death? Why is there hurricanes and tornadoes and all sorts of tragic things? Why? Because of sin. Suffering is a hallmark of life now. You and I all bear the scars of sin of our lives, do we not? We hope for relief and we hope for an end to those troubles. At least I do. At least I do. When I wake up and I just see the devastation, Lord, let it end. You open the paper, read the news, turn on the internet, and you say, Lord, let there be an end to this. Come quickly, Maranatha. What you and I, though, need is not temporary relief. And unfortunately, that's what the world seeks after. They just want temporary relief. But what you and I need is a final solution, an end to the devastating effects of sin. sin destroys lives. Sin destroys marriages. Sin destroys families. It destroys nations. It destroys people. And sometimes, for those of you here that are Christians, I don't think we believe it. If we do, we don't take it very seriously. That's the promise of God, a final solution to the devastating effects, effects of sin. The Apostle Paul writes that while we're still in this tent, speaking of this earthly body, we groan, being burdened, and we know that the whole creation is joining us by groaning together. Why? Until the pain of childbirth until now. From creation until now. We of all creation are groaning out for a final solution. See, the problem is that we need our sins wiped out, not judged by God. The solution is found in Christ, who suffers and bears our penalty and also earns our righteousness. In Ephesians 1, 7, Paul writes that in Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. But Let me tell you, forgiveness is not enough. We need both God's forgiveness and Christ's righteousness. With with forgiveness, but without righteousness of Christ, we still cannot stand before a holy God. We understand this. Paul writes in Romans, Therefore as one trespass led to condemnation of all men. In other words, because Adam sinned, it condemned the whole world. Now that does not seem fair. Hence why we hope for fairness. So one act of righteousness leads to justification. Because Christ obeyed the Father. Those who follow Christ also receive that righteousness. One act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteousness. Through Christ's obedience, you and I are made right with God in our hope is that God will deliver us from the penalty, the power, and the presence of sin. You and I are now free from the penalty and the power of sin. No longer do we stand condemned, the Bible tells us in Romans 8.1. If you're a child of God, there is no longer any condemnation. Let me tell you this, this should give you an amen or at least wake you up, is the fact that even when you and I sin and are disobedient towards God, if you are his children, he never has any mixture of wrath against you. He never looks at you with love and a little bit of anger. And you and I find that difficult to understand because when we love our wives, we love our husbands, right? We love our children, right, Gary? We love our children. And, we, and when they do us do wrong and they disobey, we still love them, do we not? But yet, is there not a little mixture of anger and wrath for them at the same time? Yes. Yes. But with God, that does not happen. How many of you today have failed him some way this week? You've had a stray thought. You've had anger. You have not been forgiven. or uh, You have not forgiven someone else. But God still loves you. And if we were to take communion like we did uh, this Thursday and next, next Sunday, you could still come to the table and he would say, come, my child. I love you. We are now free from both the penalty and the power of sin. And one day, amen, this is what I'm looking for. Here's my hope. We will be delivered from the presence of sin. No more fighting sin. No more getting up and say, Lord, lead me not in temptation and deliver me from the evil one. We won't have to pray that anymore. That's one command that we won't have to follow because it will be gone. The presence of sin, the sickness, the devastation, the thought patterns will be taken totally away from us. Amen? That's our hope. That's not my wishful thought. That's my confident expectation. What motivates me and Get Up when I know that I'm going to struggle and fight with sin is the fact that one day I will no longer do that. I will no longer have to go and say, Father, forgive me. Lord, I'm so sorry. One day repentance will be gone because it will be final. Amen? That's what people need to hear. That's why these seats need to be filled. Not just for our numbers, not just for the offering plate. So they could hear this. That's their hope. That's their desire. So many people are living with guilt and shame for failed marriages and failed families and failed businesses and their sins and their problems in their life. God forgives. And He makes us righteous. Thirdly, because I'll never get off this one if I don't move. You can see where I stood most of my time in this message. I can't get enough of Colossians 2. He disarmed the rulers. No longer is there shame going to be put on me, for there's no condemnation. Number three, the third hope is the promise of the return of Jesus Christ as a king to rule in righteousness and justice. Look at again the promise that he gave his disciples on the day before he died, the night of his death. He says in John chapter 14, 1 through 3, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Why? There's a hope. I'm putting a confident expectation. Here is something to look forward to. He says, do not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself. And where I am... You may be also. There's our hope. There's what gets you up in the morning. This is why you fight sin, because He's coming for you. He hasn't left you here. Let's be honest. Don't ask out loud. But Sometimes do you just feel all alone? Do you feel left out? Do you feel, God, where are you? Are there times when you cry out to the heavens? Silence. It's been two thousand years, but the ring still cries out. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. I have a place for you. Take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 19. I want to give you a hope this morning in an old promise. Revelation chapter 19. Look at verse 11. The apostle John in a vision says, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and he makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and his head are many diadems and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and the name by which he is called is the word of God. Look at verse 14. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If your hope today is in some type of nation, is in some type of leader or president or government, let me tell you, they will all fail us. Man will smash your hope even with all good intentions. We see this time and time again. We look around and say there is no fairness. There is no justice. Where is God? It seems as evil triumphs time and time again. But let me tell you, there is a day of accounting. There is a day when God will come and rule in justice and in righteousness. The scales will be balanced. That's our hope. Should we desire that today? Yes. Should we try to attain it? Yes. But let me tell you, we cannot find it in any president. We cannot find it in any type of system of government. We can do our best, but in the end, our greatest hope is found. When Christ the King comes, not this time as a baby lamb, but as a lion, ready to rule in righteousness and justice. You're still in Revelation, I hope. Turn to chapter 21. For not only will He come to rule in righteousness and justice, but also to renew and to heal Look at Revelation chapter 21, famous portion of scripture. Look at verse 3. Behold, the dwelling place of God is now with men. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Look at this. This is great. This is a hope. This is a promise. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things what? New. Also he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Base your hope on these words. And he said to me, it is done. For I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. It's so the one place you can go without your American Express or your Visa The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God. And look at this, underlined in your Bible. And he will be my what? Son. And ladies, you can put daughters there. We're speaking of humanity. You and I have a great hope. God will come again. Let me tell you, these promises that we just shared, these three promises, that's the Christian's hope. It is our motivation. It is the source of our joy. Now these promises are not based on wishful thinking or a blind leap of faith. No, our hope is based on one thing. And here's where we come to Easter. It's based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And 1 Peter, turn if you would real quickly. First Peter, if you're in Revelation, just continue to go backwards. Because you need to see this. Our hope is not based on leap of faith. It's not based on wishful thinking, but it's based on the fact this is why the resurrection of Christ is so important. What's interesting is not that the first apostles and disciples of Christ, it's not that they preached all about the crucifixion, but you know what they went around preaching? What did they preach? The resurrection of Christ. That was their source. 1 Peter chapter 1, look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His grace, mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Is that not our hope for our families, for our lives? Is to have things that are imperishable? undefiled, and unfading. That's our desire. It's found in the resurrection of Christ. He says it here. It's a living hope, not a dead hope, not a wishful thinking, but a confident expectation. Look what he says. It's kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Look, there's two great things there. That hope is being kept in heaven where neither moth nor rust or anything decay. And what does it say in Scripture? No thief can break in and steal. He says it's being kept in heaven. And he also says not only is that being kept in heaven, but what does he say? You are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You are being guarded until that time. So have hope. That's the source of a Christian's joy. That's the reason of the hope that lives within us. It's all based on the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection is unique to the Christian faith. No other religion claims that their leader, their savior, their teacher has been raised from the dead. Without the resurrection, Paul writes, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we of all people most to be pitied. For you and I are wasting our time. People have died at the cross and at the fiery flames and at the lions for, for nothing. Without the resurrection, our faith is futile. Our hope is based on nothing more than wishful thinking. However, God tells us that as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Paul Beasley Murray, in his book, The Message of the Resurrection, writes this of the Easter Gospel. In the first place, the Easter Gospel is good news because it proclaims that Jesus is alive. The tomb was empty, the Lord of Peter, Peter, and other disciples. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, forever. In the second place, the Easter gospel is good news because it proclaims a risen Savior. Our sins have been forgiven. God has set a seal of approval on the crucified. Jesus was raised to life for our justification, which means made us right with God. In the third place, the Easter gospel is good news because it proclaims a glorious hope. Death has been swallowed up in victory. We shall be with the Lord forever. Jesus has brought life and immortality to light. And lastly, in the fourth place, and of no less importance, he writes, the Easter gospel is good news because it proclaims, listen to this, a present power. The risen Lord Jesus is present with his people today. Amen? Amen? Already in the here and now, we may begin to share in the risen life of Jesus. Even in our present moments of weakness, we may experience the transforming power of his resurrection Here is the good news indeed. The resurrection is more than a past event and a future prospect. It's you and I's present reality as our hope. And I pray, would you renew your hope in the promises of God today? Would you see that there's a confident expectation? that he has restored all things, that he has taken away the penalty and the power of sin, and one day we will be delivered from the presence of sin as he comes and he reigns in justice and in righteousness, bringing us to himself. That's your hope. There is no reason that any Christian should be glum in this world. Yeah, we may get down, we may be broken down sometimes, but even in that situation, there's joy joy. Our response to the resurrection of Christ is found right here in Titus 2:11 through 14. I'd encourage you to mark this in your Bible, underline it. Titus 2:11 through 14 is a wonderful verse. It says for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodly and worldly passions. This is what it's calling you and I to do, and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed what and what's that blessed hope? The appearing on the glory of our great God and Savior who gave himself for us to redeem us for all. Lawlessness and purify himself for his own possession of people who are zealous for good works. Let me conclude with this. If you're here this morning, if you're a believer, if you have a hope, if you have counted the cost and following Christ, The Bible commands you today, because of that hope in the promises of God, the Bible commands you as a believer to hold fast to the confession of your hope without wavering. For he who is promised is faithful. God encourages you and I to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Continue in the hope that you were called, would you? If you're a believer, would you continue in that hope? Would you commit this morning, I'm going to continue in that hope? Father, renew that hope in me this morning. If you're here this morning and you're a seeker, you're looking for God, you're looking for something, then your response to God's word this morning is to repent and turn to God in faith recognize that there is no hope within yourself there is no hope in anyone else there is no hope in your inheritance or who you are or what you've done repent of those dead works and turn and put your trust a confident trust that christ has accomplished what god has required the Bible gives you the good news here if that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus, Lord, if you would believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, the Bible tells us that you will be saved, that you too can be delivered from the presence. These hopes, these promises can be yours and that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you do that this morning? I implore you. Don't leave if you have not yet put your hope in the promises of God. And then lastly, for those of you who might be a skeptic, you're not sure. Maybe you're even antagonistic towards God. Let me ask you this. What is your hope based on? For you have hopes also. Scripture tells us it's appointed on a man once to die. And after this, he will stand before God and give judgment. And Scripture already tells us that we are without excuse. Christ has been offered once, to bear the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So for the believer, we have hope. For you, your hope is in vain. Yes, you may still have questions. You may be still be looking for answers. But again, the hope for the believer is that now we see in a mirror dimly, but one day we will be face to face with God, and we now may only know in part But then we will know. The Apostle Peter writes that Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of the world. And that he was made manifest or made known or shown in these last times for the sake of all of us. Through him we are believers in God who raised him from the dead. So that your faith and hope are in God. I would implore you today would you respond by trusting in the perfect obedience of Jesus Christ to be right with God. For scripture tells us I write these things to you. That you may believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Would you renew your hope in an old promise? If every head bowed and every head closed, I'd just for this moment to take a moment to pause, to pray, to consider and to respond what the Holy Spirit may be doing, whether you're a believer, a skeptic or a seeker. Would you grab on to the hope of the one who is holding out these promises for those that are in need? Would you respond to his word this morning? If you hear this morning, you say, Pastor Rob, this message spoke to me. And as a believer, I'm renewing my hope. I'm recommitting. It's encouraged me. And would you just pray for me as I continue to put my hope in what Christ has done? Would you just raise your hand and just put it down? No one looking, just thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. If you're here this morning and say, Rob, I've heard what you said, but I'm still not quite sure about salvation. I don't even know if I'm... I'm not, I, I think I need more information, but would you just pray for me? Because I do want to have a hope. Would you just raise your hand very quickly and put it down, and I'll just pray for you silently. Thank you. Father, we come before you, and we thank you for your, your promises. Father, without these promises, we are without hope. Lord, but with the resurrection, we can stand firmly with a confident expectation of these hope. Would you hear the prayers? Would you, Lord, hear the cries and those who raise their hands? Lord, would you answer them this morning? Show yourself to them in a unique and exciting way, Lord, that they may see the resurrection, the power of the resurrection. Renew their hope in your promises. We thank you for those who praise in Christ's name. And God's people said, Amen.
0: We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at faith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes and don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.